0: you would turn to Colossians. We're in a four-week study on Colossians. The book of Colossians written by Paul in the New Testament. It's a small little book. Uh, so after Philippians, you see Colossians. And uh, it's one of the easiest books to outline if you're into kind of Bible study and outlining books. If you read um, Colossians, you'll kind of see how it maps itself out. Four short chapters. And what I want to read is just Colossians chapter two and a small chunk from verse six down to verse 10. And it says this, Colossians 2 verse six. So then, just as you received uh, Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Amen. Um, what's going on in this book is that uh, people are, are moving beyond Christ. They're, they're moving beyond Jesus and getting into uh, pa- either pagan mysticism or kind of uh, legalistic Jewish legalism. And so what you really see is they start with... I, I, I want to just take this moment... To defend myself, um, there's been some times when this pen hasn't worked, and, and it and it makes me look rather incompetent. Uh, and I just want you to know that um, when we got the detectives involved, we found out that the battery was was the wrong direction in the pen. I won't tell you who is in charge of that. If Guy Gleason was here, he'd be happy to um, tell you that Kip is in charge of that. Uh, but I know how to use a pen. All right, so we start here. And, and the problem is we start with Christ and then we, we move on. We, 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 we go beyond. And over here, we, we either end up with mysticism uh, or over here legalism, phonetics. Uh, And and so in addition to Christ, in addition to the faith we begin with, in addition to grace, in addition to the fullness present in Christ available to us, we go beyond. And I think um, Paul is seeing this happen and he's saying anything that takes you beyond Christ takes you away from God. Don't you understand that? All the fullness of deity dwells there. And anything that takes you beyond takes you away. It's not adding to your faith. It's actually subtracting. And so he says, don't be taken captive by hollow and deceptive philosophy. The word here is, is literally kidnapped uh, or in, in, enticed away. And I was wrestling with that. Kidnapping, a lot of kidnapping, really begins with enticing. I got some candy for you, right? I mean, it, it begins with, with, with drawing you in, but what, what happens is by drawing you in with the promise of something, that's gonna turn at some point and end up taking you captive as a slave, it's a process whereby you think you're getting something. Your desires or your appetites or your ideas are leading you on with the promise of something. But that promise is hollow and it's deceptive. And eventually you end up as a captive, as a slave. And so the Greek word here that Paul's using is, do not be kidnapped. Don't be enticed into going beyond Christ. Christ. And so you end up with mysticism, the worship of angels and kind of mystical realities, or as Paul talks about, the do not taste, do not touch, celebrate this holiday, not that holiday, and the legalism, the the, the kind of religiosity that can can sometimes happen. And I think that what happens is mysticism, what we would call today spirituality. Um, So if you want two words, let's just put it there, in modern context, it's Spirit, spirituality, but that sounds so safe, sounds so good, it's such an easy word to say, but where does it take you, and what does it give you in the end? And I would call this churchianity. Um, It's okay if you can't read it, because I'm saying it. So you understand what it is because I'm connecting the two. That's how symbols work, right? Um, churchianity, it's this idea that I've been in the church my whole life. I know, I know, I know, I I know what all the do's and don'ts are. I do them. I, I know 50 ways to judge you. Try me. I'm really good at it. You know, I, um and and so spirituality is. What happens, I think, when uh, when we harmonize with secular culture? So if we harmonize over here with secular culture, we end up with spirituality. If you just run out into America, secular America, kind of pagan America, whatever America. Um, religionless America when you harmonize with secular culture but we're spiritual beings you know we, we have turn. Eterni- God has placed eternity in the hearts of man it says in, in the book of Ecclesiastes so what do we do with all that pent-up image of God in us if we're, we're harmonizing with secular culture we become spiritual become spiritual we, we learn to meditate we learn to think positive thoughts we learn, to, we learn to do good and we learn, to, we learn to do all these spiritual things and we read all these spiritual books and, and we kind of take this grab bag, this amalgam of, of things and piece it together into what works for me, which is mine and, and that's okay. Whatever works for you uh, is great too, as long as it's not like Jesus because he's exclusive. And it's, on this side, sec- this is, we're talking about secular spirituality, and so anyone that claims to be the anything um, and takes away my ability to cobble together this amalgam is uncomfortable, and, and we need to distance ourselves from that. Okay? So, spirituality is what happens when we harmonize with secular culture. Legalism is what happens when we harmonize with church culture. There is a church culture, by the way. When we harmonize with church culture, there's a whole pattern to life that comes about through that. There's a whole vibe that comes with that. There's a whole um, what, what, what's comfortable and what's not, what goes here and what doesn't go here, whether you're doing it right or not doing it right, there's a whole thing that comes with that, and we can begin to get so wrapped up in that or so aware of that or so familiar with that because we've gone beyond Christ now to this kind of culture that we're harmonizing with that, that, that tells us where to step and where not to step, what foods to taste, what holidays to observe, and how to do it and what the right rituals are, and we become so into that that, that we slowly become more legalistic as we harmonize with church culture. Someone sent me this video this week, and I thought it might fit right here. So let's watch this video on stuff Christians say.
1: Secular song? Isn't she secular? Which station's the fish? 104.3, the fish. Safe for the whole family. You know he's a believer. I think he's saved. I just pray you would give him traveling mercies. Mm. Pray for all Tyler's unspokens. Mm. I echo that. Just really like to echo Tyler's prayer, Father. I just I echo that echo of my echo, his echo. I really feel like I'm being released from this, you know? I'm trying to be relevant. I'm just trying to be in the world, not of it. Hey, do you want to join our small group? you want to join my D group? you want to join my cell group? Community group? Access group? Accountability group? Acts 27 group? Dude, he brought it. He brought the word. That service last night rocked me. They're pretty purpose-driven. Yeah, it's seeker. Don't they do seeker service there? I feel like he's gotten really watered down. I don't feel like he really teaches the word. There's not enough meat, you know? Are they non to We have a great Wednesday night supper. Let's invite some dudes over to fellowship tonight. We're going to have a sweet time of fellowship again. Dude, we had the sickest fellowship last night. We're going to extreme velocity. Ignite. Yeah, I'm going to ignite the edge. The dive. The bridge. The ramp. Fire. Courageous. Passion. <laughs> Echo. Reverb. Noise. Velocity. Drive. Elevate. Radiate. Seven twenty-two. Six thirty-five. Four nineteen. Orange. Blue. Yellow. Green. Clear. Neon. Catalyst conference this year. I don't do that because I feel like it ruins my witness. And struggling with that. So I'm really wrestling with that. I'm wrestling with the doubt. I need someone to hold me accountable. I'm really trying to be intentional with her. I'm. Pursuing her for sure. I'm trying to guard her heart. Guard her heart bro. Will you hold me accountable for that? Yeah, we we'll bounce your ass. Bounce your ass. Dang it. Crap. Shoot. Sheesh. Yeah. Frit. Darn it. What the H? Holy crap. Son of a beasting. Dude, he's really teeing me off. I'm gonna kick his A. Are you asking me right now? Not cool. I, I find that offensive. <sighs>
0: Maybe it went with the sermon. I don't know. I just, I just felt like it was healthy regardless. So, Paul is... is <laughs> um, <laughs> that was unintentional. Um, straight back to the 90s. Um, Paul is pretty serious about... The simplicity of being rooted in Christ, and um, the way I would draw this is, I think, I think sometimes we mistake. So, if, if we draw like a tree, um, we're rooted in Christ. It's it's the soil, and the doing, the fruit, um, what what comes from that. I think. As, as the rubber meets the road with life, we can get so focused on that that we begin to think that there's something in that that is what is feeding us. There's something in the doing that, that's really the soil, and what we're mistaking is either the joy of giving, because there's joy in giving. Um, there's, there's, it's better to give than receive, right? Right? There's joy in loving. There's joy in all these kinds of things. The fruit of the Spirit leads to a, an emotional fullness of life. But, but that's the expression of and the outgrowth of being grounded and rooted in faith in Christ as, as His power works in us and through us and grows us up and begins to produce this fruit. And we've got to draw a distinction between the manifestation of our faith and, and what our faith is actually rooted in you see the difference? And I think what happens when we end up with church culture is we actually think something about this culture, something about um, what we like about this, what's comfortable about it, what what speaks to us about it, is somehow nurturing us, and we begin to look to it to nurture us more. And, And it can be a great emotional thing, and it can be all sorts of whatever that God intends, but if we begin to think that somehow it is part of the sufficiency or our identity or where we're we're grounded or what will ultimately produce in us the life we desire and God wants for us, we're making a mistake and we're we're slowly taking away from, from who Christ is as being the fullness of deity and sufficient for us in life. That's what I meant last week when we talked about the supremacy of Christ. That, that he is over everything. First, uh, I mean, what does that really mean, supremacy of Christ, right? It means when I look at this thing, I'm not just seeing this thing, I'm looking at this thing in view of Christ. Like what what does me being a Christian, what does it mean that I serve Christ? What does it mean that Christ is my Lord? What does it mean that I'm anchored here? What what does this say to this thing I'm looking at? And it, it colors Everything I look at, it's not that Christ is here and this is here. And I should be going here instead of here. It's like, no, I'm taking this into everything I see and making him first that way. That's what supremacy of Christ means. And what I said is the more we understand that that's a necessity and that life only works when we give it that pride of place, that's where submission comes about. That we only submit to Christ when we recognize the supremacy or the value or the primacy of Christ. If we don't see Christ as relevant, if we don't see him as being sufficient, if we don't see Jesus as being the fullness of God, the fullness of deity dwelling in him, the fullness and sufficiency for our lives as Christians in him, if we don't see that, we're not going to submit to that. And so Paul is saying, you guys are going beyond. You're overshooting it. And you're you're misdiagnosing the value of what happens out in this world because there's great things, but that's not the same as where you find your grounding and what you root yourself in. And so he warns these people. I um, I was at the justice conference, and I began to see, like, I mean, why would we have an unofficial... Statement of like having the second part of that having a shaping voice in global Christianity. What the heck does that mean? And doesn't that sound arrogant? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, because that's what I think about it. Like, what does that mean? And that sounds kind of arrogant. Um, but there's a need to clarify theology. And I don't hear in the Bible preaching churches and in the non Water down preaching churches. I don't think there are, are, are enough people really, really wrestling with what does this actually mean? Not just passing on what it's come to mean or the language that, that exists after we package it, but really getting at the theology here and saying, what does it actually really mean? And then working its way out. And so I was at the justice conference and And I was in this room of of thirty really Christian Christians, like really leaders. And someone made this comment, and it was so. It it is, it's not this person's bad or not. I hear this all the time. I hear this at Antioch, and it's this. um, There's Jesus. And there's, I didn't mean to make that box bigger. Now it's going to cause a problem. We can't have that. All right. Um, let's, let's try again. They got, they're supposed to be the same size. There's Jesus and there's justice. And I don't think any Christian today is, is going to say justice is bad. I think the, the, the Christians that would have said justice is bad have, have learned that that sounds kind of stupid. And, and so now they don't say that, right? Of course, it's not bad. But then, then this is what happens. But um, I want Jesus, not justice. I want Jesus more than justice. You know, Justice is only good insofar as it points to Jesus. You know what I'm, ta- you know what I'm talking about? Look, if I have to choose between the two, which is, which is more important, I, it's Jesus. Okay, now I want to explain to you why this is a really dumb thing to say. And hopefully it's, it's wrapping up and making the point this morning of, of what I'm trying to show you. When we take Jesus as just a, a black box with the, with the name Jesus written on it, We are not, I mean, we are so far from understanding Jesus and the fullness of deity in that moment. But that's what we do. We take, and we just, it's a black box with the word Jesus on it. So let me explain this to you. Jesus is a substance. In philosophical terms, a person, a soulish being is, is what's called a substance. A substance can have properties, A property can't have other properties. You understand the difference? Okay? I have the property of being a male. I'm Ken White's mama substance, and I have the property of being a male. I also have the property, it's not a necessary property, but but at this point, it's an essential property. I have the property of being a dad. It's a property I have. I also have the property of being intuitive on the Myers-Briggs. Doesn't matter whether I'm sleeping or awake, doesn't matter which one of you guys I'm talking to, the, I, I have the property of, of being intuitive. It's part of what defines me as you add the different properties, essential and even non essential to me, um, because I'm a substance that has properties. Now, that means um, I am an amalgam of all those things that make me up. Now, justice is a property that that a substance can have. Justice is a property that a person can have. You can have the essential characteristic of being just. Okay. With regard to Jesus, when God says in Isaiah, my own right arm will work justice, and he's talking about the Messiah, he's actually saying that this, this Messiah is a part of my justice, God's justice. And when we begin and it says, his name shall be called Emmanuel, it means God with us. And that's God's right arm coming down. And Jesus is heralded first by the shepherds who say, peace on earth, shalom. It wasn't just a howdy. They were making a declaration, peace on earth and glad tidings. Not tonight, but for mankind. Like, because... The Messiah is coming and he's going to reconcile you to the Father. Which is justice. Which is putting things back the way they were supposed to be. Restorative justice. And then Jesus, he begins his ministry and he opens up the Bible. And he doesn't give a big vision. I'm going to have 10,000 followers and within five years, we're going to build a building on, on this many acres. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not picking on any, anyone in Christian America or anything like that. I'm, what I'm saying is, what did Jesus begin with? Scripture. And in your hearing, this scripture about um, the poor and, and good news to the poor and the marginalized it's being fulfilled now. Justice. And then when Jesus comes to the end, his last words are, it is finished. What is finished? His death? His life? The ending of your sins, because this is, if you were in Redux last week, this is, we chased this down. The ending of your sins We've so misdiagnosed Christ that we've reduced him down to a part of the story rather than seeing the the end of the story. The part of the story is the atonement, meaning Jesus' death pays for your sins, right? But that was a means to what? You walking around sinless? It was a means to the end. Sin was a problem. And when you deal with the problem... It's not, that's not the point of the story. You're getting that out of the way so that things can return to what really mattered. And so when Jesus died, you didn't see the, the altar crack in the temple, which is where sacrifices were given and sin was taken care of. What you saw was the temple veil ripped in two from top to bottom, the barrier between a holy God and his people who were, who were mired in sin. So when Jesus finished the payment for sin forget the altar what really matters is that the barrier with God is gone Emmanuel God with us we're restored back to the way it ought to be we're a family again and so when Jesus said it is finished what was finished was his work of restoring us back in that relationship with God Jesus was justice Jesus' mission was justice. Jesus' commands to us for the poor and to love and, and to, to basically um, all throughout Scripture, whatever you do for the least of these, was all justice. So here's the, here's the thing. Two boxes. Which is more important? Well, if you're going to make me choose, I'm going to choose Jesus and not justice. But if we really get at the thing behind the thing and talk theology here, Jesus is the sum total of everything that makes up Jesus, just like you are the sum total of everything that makes up you. And here's the thing. There is never a time or a place where you can have Jesus and not justice. Let me say that again. There is never a time or a place in the world or in the universe or next to to, to God at the right hand of God. There's never a time when Jesus is standing there where justice is not also there. We've got to understand Jesus better than what we've been fed. I can't have Jesus and not also justice. I can't love Jesus and not also love justice. Those two things are one and the same in the person of Christ. Now, of course, we can say, I don't want to just do justice not in the name of Christ, or I don't want to do justice apart from Christ, but don't tell me I want Jesus and not justice. Do you understand what I'm saying? And we've created this crappy church culture that sets up these right answers that make us walk around feeling really spiritual and religious, but they're so stupid, some of these answers. And you can have leading Christian figures saying stuff like, well, but we all know justice is okay and all. It's good that we're doing this conference. But look, at the end of the day, I just want Jesus. Jesus. And, and justice is, is is on the outside you know it's it 's just a good hobby, but just give me jesus what is that what is that What does that mean? All the fullness of God dwells in jesus that 's as far from a black box with a name as you can get. and when we go beyond Jesus and when we go beyond scripture and we start adding either legalism or spiritualism, we begin to slowly minimize Christ and oversimplify Christ and make Christ smaller and more irrelevant to where our whole purview is, is all of these kinds of things and, and, and Jesus, who, who's going to be the checkbox or the right answer we put in. But when we camp in Scripture, when we read Scripture, when we dwell in Scripture, these are the Scriptures that point to Christ, and testify to Christ. And they don't just testify that he's the right answer. They testify to his character. They testify to his work and his calling. They testify to his relationship with God and the outworking of God through him. When we, when we soak in scripture, the, the picture we get of who Christ is gets more and more robust and complex and accurate. And then we camp there. And then we're fed there. And then we find a relationship there. And then we don't go anywhere else. To go beyond Christ is to slowly start to minimize and lose Christ. Let me read it again. Listen to these words. Like, let this soak for a second. So then... Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, also continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness because he's not only supreme, but sufficient. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world that would entice you to go beyond and away from. For, the reason you don't want this, because for, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and every authority. Turn back two chapters to Ephesians, if you you would. I'll read you one verse in Ephesians, and then I'm going to have you look with me in chapter 3. But Ephesians 1, 22 through 23. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Jesus fills everything in every way for the church and for the believers in the church. Jesus fills everything in every way for you. Jesus is sufficient for me. He's sufficient for my four daughters. And if we're rooted and we grow up in him, thankfulness, joy, this fruit is what should be produced and and emanate from that. One of the things I I can't stand is the interesting thing about church culture is that church culture has become anti-church. Meaning, it's really acceptable for church people or for Christians to bag on church. You know what I'm talking about? Or is it just me? Like, um... I am so sick and tired of Christians bagging on church. You, if you bag on church, are the problem, not the solution. Jesus isn't bagging on church. He's nurturing church. He's giving grace and forgiveness and trying to pass fullness on to, to the members of his body that they might reflect his will and his mission in this world. And he is redeeming at all times the church. And if we are bagging on the church and making it easy for us to be disengaged from the body, in some sense we find ourselves at odds with Christ. And it's become so ridiculously commonplace to sit around bagging on whatever church you feel like it whether it's your own church or other churches or all churches and I'm so sick and tired of it I I got saved out of a fraternity you want to talk about something you can bag on there's no real community outside of Christ where are you going to find where are you going to find it if we don't try and create it here it's so hard already because we're all so picking immature. It's so hard to really bring community about. We're all so busy. And, and the last thing we need is just to cut the whole thing off and say this thing growing out of Christ, this body of his, the, the church, you know, and just cut it off the roots as being irrelevant. Because then what, what are we going to go find then? Whatever the cool spiritual languages of the day or just the fact that I'm cool because I'm feeding on that, that fills me with all sorts of good feelings about about my coolness. I'm just so tired of church being relegated to being unimportant and an easy joke and a quick laugh. and, and And because it's so unimportant, it's so easy to be disengaged and uninvolved. The supremacy of Christ, if it's not there, we don't submit to Christ. That's what I argued last week. If Christ's body isn't valued or valuable or or to be esteemed as something that Christ loves and cherishes, then we're not going to serve the church. Yet the very gifts, the very spiritual gifts you were or are being given by Christ are gifts, spiritual gifts and talents, given to you for what purpose? Over and over in the New Testament, it says, for the edification of of the body. You are sitting on potential in your seat right now. You are sitting on potential given to you by God Almighty for the purpose of growing and nurturing and edifying His church. What are you doing with those gifts? Where are you going with those gifts? We need those gifts. Right? Because we all know the church is in need. It's different than criticizing the church, right? What are you doing with your gifts? Ephesians 3. I started a college ministry when I was 25 years old where ministry began for me. And this verse became the verse... Uh, that I used. And it's the verse we used when we started Antioch. And it starts in chapter 3 of Ephesians, verse 20. And it says this, and you've probably heard it before. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Let me read it to you a different way. Now to him who is able, has the power to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory forever and ever, amen. That's the ultimate vision verse. I'm a dreamer. I'm an interesting kind of dreamer because when I start dreaming, I start doing immediately. I, I I don't just dream. I cannot dream and then not do. Tamara, when we got married, I don't, she's not here this morning, it's okay. When we got married, she'd go to work, and it was a miserable workplace, work environment. It was a Christian college. Um, and she'd come home near in tears every day. From, <laughs> uh, And so... I, I would pick her up. We had one car. We had one car for like the first, I don't know, seven years of our marriage or something like that. I loved it. We went everywhere together. Um, and I would always pick her up from work. And, and, and her release, as she was kind of crying her way out of that day, would, would, she'd dream about travel. Hey, I saw something about Alaska. I was talking to this kid from Alaska today. We should take an Alaskan cruise. You know, hey, we should, go, we should go spend a month in Israel or whatever, right? For me, to dream is to do. So she would start dreaming, and I would immediately start getting all this tension, like, we can't do that. You know, you're pregnant. Like, or, you know, or like, uh, like we only have one income, or, you know, whatever the reasons are. And I'd start, like, rationally analyzing this dream. Um, it's not the right thing to do. And uh, I learned quickly, and then I, I learned that I can just make up stuff to make my, my wife happy. So that's a special discipline I have, where I just make up dreams and, and it's fun. But I know they're not real dreams, they're, they're fantasies. Let's just call them fantasies, okay? But for me, to dream is to do. I can dream big, I can imagine big. I couldn't have imagined the Justice Conference. I couldn't have imagined this church being how real and authentic it is. I couldn't have imagined how many interns have come from 18 different colleges every summer and that they would stay and that half our staff would be former interns. I couldn't imagine that. I couldn't imagine Kilns College. I still don't know where the money has come for the last three years. Where, where, how, I don't even know where the money has come for the last few years. And I'm the one that's supposed to bring it all in. What does that tell you? It feels like God is multiplying loaves. It's crazy. Like, I couldn't have imagined that. I couldn't have imagined, I'm gonna give away just just a tiny bit. I couldn't have imagined us going back to to renew our state approval for our degree, going, man, we've got 15 years to go to really get to our vision. 15 years, and where's the budget gonna come from to hire along this whole way? And having the gal at the state just go, why don't you guys just do a master's degree? It's like, well, that's, that's really, where, that's kind of the goal, but don't we have to do like, you know, 15, 20 years worth of work and raise billions of dollars and build like, you know, weird buildings that look like they're from the colonial era and, you know, um, and, and do lots of things with weird hats and tassels and, you know, No. You guys are actually better positioned to do that master's degree in social justice right now than you are anything else. And you know what? You could, you could probably start this fall. I so said, I didn't imagine that. I can't imagine that. God can do so much more than we ask or imagine through the power working in us, but, but that's not even where I want us to be right now. I want us to look two verses ahead. This is how Paul starts this out. All the way up to verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. And then out of that comes this unbelievable verse about all that could be, all that maybe in some sense should be through the power that God can work in us that will blow our minds, blow our minds as to what is possible in our lives as we work together as his body. I invite you into an exploration of that. I want friends, I think you want friends, we all want friends to journey with on mission for God, believing that we can see mountains move. And I'm gonna leave you with this announcement We need kids' volunteers at this church. I'm tired of seeing Linda have to spend all day Saturday calling for children's volunteers. I'm tired of people saying, But I don't have kids, that's somebody else's responsibility. Because parents with little kids that have to get them ready and come to church, most of those parents um, could be committed, Could, could be committed at that point, temporary insanity. We don't want them working with the kids. They're not fit to be working with kids. (laughs) If you don't have kids, we need you to serve and to use your gifts and the abundance of energy that you, you still have to work with kids. And if you have parents, just like if you have money at this church, Do not take advantage of this church. This is is a church that is supposed to be functioning as Christ's body extending into this world and changing the world. Don't take advantage of Linda. Just like I don't want you to sit there and take advantage of this church. You pay more for date night and movies than you're going to tithe. What is that? Is that honoring the fullness of God in Christ Jesus that His church is to be revered as this bride that He's nurturing? I've got job offers. I don't want any one of them. I want to stay here with these people changing the world. But we got to commit to each other first. Time, energy, and resources that this is important enough. That we're not going to find our fulfillment in kind of just going beyond and deriving some satisfaction from legalism, where we get to feel good about ourselves being critical, or spirituality, where we get to feel good about ourselves being good, and echoing our echoes of our echo and our echo and whatever. But let's dive into Scripture and realize we don't need to go anywhere else other than the ground of Christ and then the body that we're born into, the family of God that we're born into, and the extension of that, and how God will work through you individually and us collectively to change this world beyond, and to change ourselves beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. I'm not trying to be harsh. If you've been at this church long enough, you know that um, I've never laid down my chips, and I'm laying them down now. I don't care if only half come back, I've realized when I read the passage of Gideon that God was trying to tell Gideon something. That the number of noses in in his little ragtag army was not where the strength is coming from. It's not numerical numbers that I'm looking for or that I want or that I'm hungry for or that I need for my own ego. It's the power of God at work through a community that is radically sold out to him and him alone. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm all in on that. Father, um, forgive me for all the things that I said today that were probably not very smart. Forgive me if I've offended anybody in a way that wasn't supposed to offend or, or wasn't a righteous forgive me for that and father I would pray with me and with the rest of this church that you would be able to take our humble offerings mixed with our own imperfections and somehow bring about something beautiful from that pray that we would do it and do it only if it's gonna glorify you and give us the joy and the gratitude and the thankfulness of being used by you and being able to, to worship you. We commit that. We commit this church, all we do through this church, to you and your son in whom all your fullness dwells. In Jesus' name, amen.